Have you ever thought about your rights and freedoms regarding your money and its impact by legislation from all levels of government? Welcome to the Information Edge with your host, Darren Yancey. Darren has over 40 years of experience in key sectors of the economy, and he's been knee-deep in politics for over a decade. He's going to get into detail on these sectors, the politics surrounding them, what they mean to you, and how you can protect yourself and be involved. Now, live from Texas, your host, Darren Yancey. All right, folks, welcome to Friday. Uh, All my little edgers out there, my little growing army of listeners to the Information Edge podcast. I'm your host, Darren Yancey, and uh, let's do a little housekeeping before we get into today's topic, which is kind of a follow-up of what's been happening uh, with, the, I, I guess, what, I know we want to call it an insanity war between Putin and Biden. It's just stupid, but the push for electric cars, but there's some interesting things that have come out that I've got to address. First off, I've had a lot of you wanting to know if we could do a follow-up show on the People's Convoy, and yes, we do plan on doing that. By the way, they've had a they had a very significant impact that no one in the mainstream media covered. All of a sudden, when things were heading to D.C., all these mandates started coming down. It was phenomenal how that was happening. Yet, oh, it was just, you know, a couple of truckers. And now, you know, they're just little grimy truckers. No, they're not doing anything. Well, yeah, they had a big impact. And we are going to do a follow-up show on that. Um, it's also funny, some things that are coming out right now that you, there's a thing you could say, what's the difference between a real story and a conspiracy theory? And I think that could be six months to a couple of years. You've now got the New York Times coming out and effectively admitting that the Hunter Biden laptop story was a story that they scrubbed to, you know, help Joe Biden get elected. This is the New York Times. There's so much fake news out there. You just don't know what to trust. And that's why I tell people right now with this thing that's going on in Russia and Ukraine, be careful on how. You select your sides because as we're now seeing with the, the chemical weapons lab that Russia went in and seized over 30 of them that the U.S. denied that was there in the first place until Victoria Newland came out last uh, week or so ago and said, yeah, we got some there. These aren't just labs to control cattle viruses and Make sure that, oh, COVID-19 didn't work. These were bioweapons labs. And there's a reason this is important because, you know, Vladimir Putin has, has, he's been vicious on this campaign. And I think what's going to happen is the international community is going to say, you know what? If I had whiffs of chemical weapons lab by my greatest potential enemy across my border, um, I'm probably going to do something about it as well. We, I, can, I promise you the U.S. would do it if it was the case with Canada or Mexico. I mentioned that in last week's show. So my concern, and I'm, we're already seeing more and more loss in the international community that's not being reported here. At the same time, we've got people, rate, they're, they're rattling sabers here in the United States to do no-fly zones and commit troops. and It's just stupid, stupid stuff that would get us directly in war with Russia. Uh, and the fact that 14 billion was sent over in a, that's just, I want to go puke. And ladies and gentlemen, everybody that voted for that on both houses, on both sides of the aisle, you need to circle a name around their circle around their head. Uh, they need to be primary. They need to be removed. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I have a problem when we have a, a sieve vacuum at the, the Southern borders of Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California. Now, granted, California doesn't care, but the other three states do care. 
and the federal government's not doing its job in protecting those borders and putting the resources down there to be sure that we would have a safe border that has all kinds of positive ramifications for the United States, including national security, including health. There's a lot of things that helps. And instead, we're sending $14 billion, our tax dollars, to Ukraine. I am sorry. I, that's a sad situation, but that's not worth my $14 billion in tax money or all the other things that's going over there. It's, this is just a bad situation. We need to find an off-ramp, and we need to find it soon because the sanctions that have been put in place are hurting Americans more than they're hurting the others. And that leads to today's show the electric line. I, this kind of falls in with some things I've been doing over the past year on climate. One quick thing before we jump into the topic, let's talk about social media where you can follow me, the website, etc. cetera. Um, for those, I, I, I still have a Twitter account. We'll see for how long, but that's at InfoEdge65 on Twitter. First one got nuked back in uh, October. If they nuke this one, I'm not coming back. Right now, I do more on Gab and Getter. Uh, at DGNC65, I, I do followers as I can. I, I'm, I'm kind of restrictive who I put on. If you're, you know, if I if you if you add on and I don't automatically follow you, don't take offense at it um, because I want to be sure you're not a bot or something else. Go to the website informationedge.net, and we've got a, a nice slow army of people that are signing up for the newsletters, and you can you'll have it on there. You can go through. I've updated today's blog to kind of follow with the show, the Electric Lie. So. If you're out there, you can go through. And I think this is important because right now we're seeing a significant push by the Biden administration to go all electric. As a matter of fact, today, I'm not mistaken, who was it? Mark Ruffalo and Leonardo DiCaprio sending, you know, letters to Canada, don't restart the Canada pipeline, blah, 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 blah. You know, guys, that's great that as celebrities, you think that people think you're important. You're not, you're not spending, uh, you're not spending your money on people's utility bills. You're not out there feeding their family. You're an actor that the only reason you have any self-worth is because people get bored and want to go to the movies and COVID caused a lot of that to change. You had a lot of co competition from other things now. So don't think your self-worth is so much where you can be a pompous ass in politics. You know, if you really want to be uh, a politician, put on a cabinet cape, run for office, go through that and be a part of policy, but just stop the grandstanding. But the reason they're doing that, there's a big push right now to go electric. Now, in my time in broadcasting, I spent a lot of it on a show that talked really predominantly about the automobile industry. Um, you know, I am not against electric technology and I'm not against electric cars, but there's, there's a conception that this push is very simple. You snap your fingers, things happen. It's kind of like autonomous trucking. We're going to be doing some things on autonomous here in the future because autonomous vehicles have dramatic impacts. But electric technology right now, it's simply not where it needs to be. And as we get into the show, there's two big areas that I have problems with on the current technology. And the, those, those are very glaring areas. So if I have a problem with the technology, I have a problem with legislative policies and economic policies that give preferential treatment to electric cars. So 
that's why I'm going to spend today. A lot of folks have got, you know, you're, you're seeing slow, oh, gas can get up to eight, nine bucks a gallon. I don't care. I drive an electric. Well, a Tesla is a kind of an expensive car and the, the demographic that buys it is six plus six figures. And let's be honest with you. That doesn't represent everybody out there. Now I know Chevy had the Volt, nice little car. And you're seeing more cars come out and, you know, and that's good for the marketplace. As long as the consumers are the ones that make the choice. See, ladies and gentlemen, my opinion of government and most people that follow the Constitution is that the government does not play the game of who chooses what in the marketplace. It simply is there to enforce the rules that both sides have fair and equity. Our government hasn't been playing referee for a while. It's been playing game maker. And they're trying to push electrics and renewables in a marketplace that simply doesn't want to accept them this, as time. That doesn't mean you stop R&D. That doesn't mean you quit developing because our energy systems and our transportation systems do need to evolve. I, I'm a, a firm believer of it, but they need to evolve based upon the ability to put forth a product that can sustain itself in the marketplace by consumer demand, not by government edict. And there's a big, big difference right there. So let's get into that today. See right now, team Biden, they want to get you away from fossil fuels today, not tomorrow, not next week, not after dinner right now. And it brings up some glaring issues. Well, well, why now? Well, they look, let me tell you right now, there is people in this administration, there are liberal progressives, as they call themselves. I'm going to call them Nazis because that's really what they are. They want to do everything they can to kill and crush the American way of life because they don't like it because they've not benefited from it in the manner that they see fit. The issues that are coming up with the crisis in Ukraine have put a massive spotlight on a beast that's been built over 40 years. Russia wasn't built overnight. And to deconstruct that monster, you built a monster. To deconstruct it, you got to look at what's the best things, the paths to get that monster deconstructed. In America's case, it's unleash our energy, unleash our natural gas, unleash the ability to use our coal, unleash our ability to produce fossil fuels, refine them and put them into products, including improving and putting out more renewable energies, as well as using nuclear. Although I've got some issues with nuclear, not the technology, but what fuels it. And we're going to get into that as we go through, because all this ties into electric cars. You're being told right now that the electric car is the alternative of the future right here, right now, and that you put everything into it, walk away from your combu internal combustion engine and invest everything. And if that means you go take out a thousand dollar a month car payment and insurance to plug that car in, that's the best thing for you. And that's the best thing for America. The problem is, is it's a lie. It is a lie. And we're going to cover that today because if you decide you want to go electric, you need to know every problem with it and make that decision for yourself not follow government propaganda, okay? So let's talk about the first thing. Is there enough power to expand electric cars at the pace that the outlaw Joe Biden or Joe Fool, take your pick, wants to expand America right now? He would like it to be able to snap a finger and the internal combustion is gone and you're running on EVs. So let's just play hypotheticals for a second. Could the United States handle that if that happened overnight? And the very simple answer is, well, no. You have to understand we don't have enough power on our grid to supply them. 
Now there's debate as to whether we're tapped out, but if we're not tapped out, we're pretty doggone close. So when you plug your electric car into the wall to the charge, that power that's being produced doesn't matter whether it's coming from a coal fire plant, gas fire plant, nuclear, renewables, whatever. It's coming from the same source that powers all the buildings, all the factories, everything that is currently operating. So you have to have an increase in U.S. power production. And if we're talking globally, a global power production to keep the same items power that you do today and increase the capacity for electric vehicles. And whether you're looking at the Energy Information Administration from the United States or the World Information Administration, you're going to find the same statistics. Roughly 60% of the world's supply comes from fossil fuels. About 20%, give or take a percentage too, is in renewables. And that's been steady for decades. The other 20 is nuclear. Now, nuclear has been restricted based upon legislation that has made it harder to get based on occurrences that happened in the 70s and 80s. Um, yeah, we had Fukushima in 2011, but really Fukushima was not a problem with the plant as it was a natural disaster that happened to uh, make a situation bad because of the location. But the technology has not been a problem. My issue with nuclear energy right now is the the push for it, and there's some great things happening in nuclear, are still based around uranium-based reactors. And the challenge that we have with those re uranium-based reactors is we're not the world's leading supplier of that product. Russia is. <laughs> That's right, Russia. They supply a third of the world's uranium. We buy 20% of our current uranium supply for Russia. Oh, and get this. You're going to love this. You're going to love this today, today, because they just thought they were so smart. You've got Senator John Barroso, Republican of Wyoming, several others. They want to come out and they want to say, uh, we don't want to buy any more Russian uranium because we don't think that's a good idea. Now, on the surface, I agree with him. We don't. But here's the problem. Again, they produce 35%. They, they, we get 20%. So that means 20% of our nuclear reactors are going to lose their fuel source. Do you see the problem here? Now, there is a solution in, in nuclear, by the way, that could solve some problems, and it's called thorium reactors. You've heard me say it on this show several times in the past uh, year and a half. Thorium is a different fissionable supply, and as a matter of fact, the United States, we happen to be the leading producer of thorium on the globe. So one would think, well, why aren't we beating the path down to thorium reactors? I don't have an answer for that, other than that within the scientific community of those that put together nuclear plants, they cannot get together and say that we want to go thorium at this time. They still feel uranium is the best. So that's going to make us dependent on other countries for that power supply. We are not going to deconstruct this beast that we've built across the pond if we don't be energy independent. So you have to look at, you're going to have to limit nuclear because again, you, you're going to have to buy from others. We just don't produce enough. That's a problem. Go thorium and we've got it. I don't know how long that's going to take. So that's a challenge that we have, you know, going through is do we, can we go through? So you've got to improve that capacity. So if you can't do it, the nuclear, you've got to do work some more renewables, but guess what? All these coal fire plants that we've been shutting down that by the way, produce some of the world's best carbon that you could capture to make another fuel source that's kind of renewable, biofuels. Ladies and gentlemen, we're the largest uh, 
the largest supplier of coal on the planet. Right now, Europe, which was phasing them out, phasing out their nuclears to go green, is having to refire them up so they don't freeze to death. They can't pay for their natural gas because of current sanctions with Russia. Quit shutting down coal fire plants, crank them back up, make them efficient, make carbon capture a part of it so it's not polluting. I don't want pollution. And use that little super fuel to go do some more biofuel. You can use that to help improve the greenness of your fuels. You can actually refine that product into gasolines, into jet fuels, into many things that can be used. We're not using our noodle here, and we can. So these are some solutions, but you have to increase that capacity. You can't just plug everything else in because we'll short-circuit our national grid. That's a fact. You're not being told that. You're being told you must go buy electric cars right now because the government is lying to you. We're going to get into why I think that's happening here a little bit. Now, one of the things that I did, I did a, a show last summer called Cars and Climate Change. And we're, there's some of the stuff we're kind of interrelating into today's show. But I asked a question I did not have an answer to at the time because there was, there was research coming out later. And that was, does anybody have the, the cost on a kilowatt hour charge to run an electric vehicle? At that time, it didn't exist. It does now. Kelly Blue Book came out right about the time I was doing the show, but it came out later. They did an analysis, and it's actually, uh, if you go to today's blog, informationedge.net under the electric live, you'll see one of the links is Kelly Blue Book EV charging research. And they did some really interesting stuff. They said, first off, and, and probably should have induced this myself, take, take whatever the number of kilowatt hours from your electric bill, divide it by your total bill, and that's your cost per kilowatt hour. Now, according to the Energy Information Agency of the United States, who has done a report similar time, that link is also on there. They say most of us are paying around 14 cents a kilowatt hour. So that's kind of our basis of how you calculate it would be to factor a car. Now, I'm not going to sit here and go verbatim, but then basically Kelly Blue Book ran some analysis of what the average person driving 540 miles a month, which is that that's pretty low. Uh, if you're using 800, 180 kilowatt hours to charge it, that it would put you somewhere in the 25 to $30 a month to charge your car. I think that's a little conservative because most people are probably going to be driving triple that, but even let's say it's, let's say it's, it's 90 bucks a month to charge your car. That's not bad. I'm not going to say it is bad because it's not. The challenge is, we got to get more power to be able to go to those electric cars. How hard it is to increase that is what we're talking about here, because here is the contrasting issue that you have going on right now. And nobody wants to talk about this. You see, if we're going to increase energy capacity so that you can have more electric cars, it would be smart not to chop the head off of what is your dominant energy source. And in America, that is our production of oil, our ability to refine it, our production of natural gas and our ability to use it, and our production of coal and our ability to burn it. Those are our big ones right there. Yes, you've got solar farms. Yes, you've got wind farms. I'm not saying take those off the table. The challenge is those are very land-intensive applications. If you go do an internet search for a solar farm, an industrial solar farm, 
you're going to find the number of acres that it requires to put out a serious amount of power uh, is outstanding. It's 100 or more acres, 500 acres, 1,000 acres. And, and here's the problem, folks. When, for example, let's say we put a coal fire plant or a natural gas plant into place. Those plants, as a general rule, last 40 years. They take a little longer to get the money back, but they last 40, sometimes 50 years. A nuclear power plant can last that and then some. It, close to where I live, we have what's called the Comanche Peak Nuclear Power Plant. Went online in the late 80s. That dude is still chugging away, and, and they're looking to add another one on there. So those are long-term investments. The challenge you've got right now in renewable technology from a material science standpoint, it's important you understand what I say. When I say material science, I'm talking the components that you have these systems made from the material science that exists today that have these systems where they can go out and be economically close to feasible. They don't last 40 years. On average, it's 10, maybe 15. The other thing you have to keep in mind right now is the federal government heavily subsidizes renewable energy systems for those people that go out. That's the only way that people will invest in them is those, those, those government subsidies. So your tax dollars right now, whether you like it or not, whether you realize it or not, is being used by the federal government to subsidize renewable energy systems. My state, Texas, they do have a large chunk of wind energy and solar energy. And I can tell you right now, the only reason it is is because of the subsidies that come back from the federal government. Otherwise, it doesn't make economic sense. Now, will it always be that way? Will there be improvements in material science? Will they be more efficient? Will they be able to produce more power? The answer is obviously yes. You don't stop the, the research and development. But for those that think that renewables are going to power the planet right now, right here under these material sciences, you, you're, you need to come in out of the sun, darling. You just need to come in out of the sun because that's not going to happen, not today. So let's, let's take an examination if we're going to increase, we, we have some very clear paths. Nuclear, we know we're kind of restricted because, well, we the, the source of fissionable material. Renewables won't do it. So we know it's our fossil fuels. Here's the problem. This administration and the liberal Nazis that, that hate fossil fuels, they want to eliminate them. Understand that. They want to eliminate fossil fuels. They don't want to slowly bake it down. If they could flip a switch today and get rid of fossil fuels, they would. And I will tell you right now with what's happening in Ukraine and Russia, it's a dream come true for them. Let me explain something. The pain at the pump, your pain right now, they're happy about. Folks in California, I feel, for you, I, I feel terrible for you folks. I know you're paying close to between six... 50 and seven bucks a gallon. And that's just, that's criminal, but understand that your government officials are happy there because that's the incentive that they're putting out so that hopefully you will go electric. If you're paying, if it's painful at the pump, they're oh, just go buy an electric car. And you're already seeing that you're seeing it from Biden. You're seeing it from uh, his, his promotion dog, uh, peppermint Patty. The reality is, you can't do it that way. You can't just bankrupt people because 
you want them to be in a new technology, but that's exactly what's happening right now. They want fossil fuels to go away. So let's say, let's, let's theoretically, let's say we could take that 60% that fossil fuels do in the United States and around the world. Let's set it aside. How would you come in with green technology and replace it? And then you got to have more to grow electric products. Because remember, everything that's using power right now is still going to be using power. So plug it in the car. You got to have more power. How do you do that? How do you do that? It cannot be done with renewable energy. If you got another 10% right now, you would be absolutely a magician with material sciences, smartest person. So let's say, let's say you got 10% out of that. Out of that. that means you got to get another 50% from something else. Okay, nuclear? How are we going to get another 50% out of nuclear technology when we do not have enough of our domestically produced uranium to power that many plants? Folks, this does not take a degree from MIT to figure this out. But what it does take is an honest conversation. And you're not getting an honest conversation because they're telling you, you just need to plug in right now. Don't worry about the consequences or, you know, don't, you just need to go buy it. Go buy the car. Don't worry about that insurance. Don't, don't, don't worry. About it. Just go buy the car. You need it. You need it now. You got to have it now it, because we're, we're spending trillions of dollars in infrastructure. So you can, you can charge it on the highway. We need it now. Anytime you have somebody, something, entity, government, country that talks in pure emotions, pure platitudes, and brings out the 12 by 11 vice to squeeze the living bejesus out of you to go do something that your inside instincts say, hmm, you need to run the other way. Your instincts, as a general rule, aren't going to betray you. They, they can. As a general rule, they're there to protect you. And your instincts on this should be saying, we've got a problem. You guys want to increase electric vehicles. You have to increase the power grid. And at the same time, you want to take away fossil fuels. You don't, it doesn't require Mensa. It doesn't require Mensa to be able to make that leap. You should be able to see through this. So why keep pushing it this hard? Why go through all of the extremes that we're seeing right now? I mean, you got government officials that, I mean, they're callous. They're callous. And, and I don't know why the press doesn't just eat them up guts, feathers and all, because I promise you, if it was conservative saying these things, they go, oh, 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 my goodness. They clutch their pearls and go, oh, can you, can you hear what the Republicans said today? They said, just go buy an electric car. Don't worry about the pay. Oh, oh. That guy that just lost his job on the on the open, he should just go build solar panel. Oh, oh, all those heartless people. Oh, where's the compassion? Where's the love? You know that's what they'd be doing. Clutching the pearls and having a panic attack. But if Joe Biden says it, or Jen Psaki says it, or Pete Buttigieg says it, why? Perfectly acceptable. Matter of fact, it's almost borderline and gospel. It's the gospel from outlaw Joe. You must go buy the e-car today. It'll help you stay away from the fuel pump tomorrow. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can almost hear him saying that. You can see Pete Buttigieg, the evil twin to Alfred E. Newman out there. What? Me worry. I'm just going to plug in with an e-car. It's going to be just fine. We're going to get, we're going to get social justice with the e-cars. We're going to have racial equality with e-cars. You can hear it. You can hear it. It's like a little, it's like a little buzz in your ear. I'm telling you folks, there's reasons. All right. We're coming up on a hard break. I'm going to take a break today because I need some water. You're listening to the Information Edge podcast with Darren Yancey. We come back, we're going to get into a little bit more of some of the specific reasons that I have against the electric cars and what I need to see change before I think we should go forward with investments. We're going to pay a few bills and we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K. on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. You are listening to The Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5789. That's 1-866-472-5789. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now back to the Information Edge. All right, folks, welcome back to the Information Edge podcast. I'm your host, Darren Yancey, and uh, I love going in and review it as this is a live show and we promote it on social media. And a lot of my social media folks have much bigger accounts than I do. And they retweet and resend and whatever you want to call it, the living 
daylights out of the show. And it's amazing the number of emails and social media you get, I get during the live stream. And I can tell you right now, I'm already getting some people that, you know, okay, if we can't make all the power, what are we going to do? And I'm like, well, that's, that's the conundrum. That's the conundrum. That's the question. When every time that Jen Psaki sits down and says, well, you need to go e-cars or you see Pete Buttigieg. Okay. Fair argument. What are you going to do to produce the additional energy? And you need to say, cause tell me if I'm wrong, Ms. Madam press secretary or Mr. Sec you know, honorable secretary of transportation. When I plug that car in, that's power that should go to something else. How are we going to increase that power? These are questions when they were doing the infrastructure bill and they're talking about all the money that was going to be spent on infrastructure, which if you actually go back, we've covered this less than 10% of the quote unquote infrastructure bill was actually going to it real infrastructure, roads, bridges, highways, and stuff. But they did have uh, you know, the ability to charge out, uh, carve out enough to do something like 500,000 EV charging stations. Now, am I against an EV charging station? No, I'm not. I think it's a good idea if we're going to go down the path of electric. And there's a reason I keep using that. Electric is not the come all be all of technologies for where we need to go for our culture driving a car at this point, in my opinion. There's hydrogen that's out there. Uh, there's things that they're doing a lot. There's other types of powered fuel cells that are away from the battery that you see in these cars. And I'm going to get to one of my biggest issues with the electric cars right now. And, and I'm, I don't, I know I'm fixing to just crush some people's toes. I'm fixing to crush some people's toes because we need to talk about this because I've had it come up before and you need to understand if you are a big EV supporter, you are for raping the environment and you are for child slave labor. Oh, let that sink in. That's right. Now, you may not be, oh, I'm not for that. Well, okay. Maybe you're not intentionally supporting it, but you are through your economic policies. Remember, how are we here with Vladimir Putin? We constructed a beast over 40 years. How are we here with electric cars? We've been building an electric beast for 10 years. And let me tell you what the beast is. The beast is built on the backs of child slave labor and a mining process getting cobalt that is a rape to the natural environment. People say, well, drilling's a rape to the natural. No, no, no. Done properly. Yeah, we're extracting. There are, there's a little bit of damage, but it's not a rape to the process. And if they make a mistake, they have a way to go through. On my webpage today, on the blog today, you can go, and these are pictures, and I've got little pictures, and they're designed to make you upset because it's the reality of the current process of making batteries that currently fuels this generation of electric cars. Folks, it's slave labor. You can look at these cobalt mines. This, this isn't small stuff. Here's the other thing. We talk about being reliant on a nation. You know who produces most of this? China, Africa. Now, Africa, that's where they're getting the slave labor. But guess what? They got slave labor in China. Now, right, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you where all of the, the nexus of this is. 
right now, we have a situation where the world is drawing lines because Joe Biden, who's been laundering money through Ukraine, and Vladimir Putin, who doesn't put up with the D state, doesn't like the Biden because he was part of Obama's administration and taking his guy out and putting Zelensky in Ukraine in 2014. These two are having a big old tinkling match. And in between, you and I are getting the tinkle on our back and, and, and our shoulders. Joe Biden's losing a lot of money. I could care less. But everybody's hurting right now. But what's happening, if we don't get an off-ramp and an off-ramp soon, the repercussions of what's going on, it will have global impact and that you may have different items redrawn in distribution and different items redrawn in availability. Things that this generation has not dealt with. We didn't go global until the 90s. Most of my life, we didn't, we, we took care of ourselves. Yes, we had some imports. Okay, we had some issues with Saudi, but as a general rule, we tried to take care of ourselves. As we started global, going global, that's when America started getting hurt. Policies that came out, NAFTA was probably one of the biggest ones that Clinton came out with. That sucked so many jobs out here. They got China into the, into the, uh, the International Monetary uh, Fund, and China took off. Folks, products from China are made with slave labor. Now, they've had rises in wages, but it's still below anything that could be done over here. We should be terrifying the living snot out of them. But what may be happening right now because of these sanctions and their fuel sanctions against Russia and taking them out of the SWIFT and trying to take them out of the inter, you know, International Monetary Fund, these are big, big things we're swinging at. And if we're successful, there's a lot of countries that are going to side with Russia, not the United States. And they're going to side with Russia for a number of reasons. Number one, Russia has the resources that they need. Russia has the refining capacity that they must have. And they're looking at events going, number one, the Donbass was an area that wanted to be Russia since 2014. And now they're looking at these chemical plants, these bioweapons plants that the United States has funded, and we're not being seen as the good guys here. So if these sanctions don't end and these countries are forced to make decisions, they're going to make them away from the United States. Now, me personally, I would love to see it where we didn't have to buy a thing from China. I want to see everything being made here in the United States. The challenge is, as we speak today, that is not the case. And if China comes out and makes a decision that they're going to partner with us because they are, excuse me, with Russia, because they can't partner with us over sanctions, it's going to hurt China. Make no mistake. It's going to hurt us too. There's no winner in, in this situation. But what it does do is it, it redraws lines and there's going to be products and services that you have right now that you're going to lose. The current generation, they're going to have an issue. They're going to have an issue. All right, so the reality that we're looking at here is, you know, <laughs> we got to find an off-ramp. We got to find an off-ramp. But I get back to, let's say we get past all this. If we continue down the current path of electric technology that is out there right now, that electric technology effectively is one that requires cobalt. What we're going to do is transfer our energy de uh, dependence from Russia to China. 
hmm, I don't think that's in my best interest. I don't think that's in your best interest. Ecologically, we know the process of going and mining these batteries. Let me, I'm going to read something to you here. Electric vehicles generate more carbon than the combustion engine cars. And it's here, here's the reason why it's due to the extraction and the processing of the mineral minerals, specifically cobalt in the batteries and production of power cells. This, this current generation of battery, and I can't see where well, there's another one. Maybe there is, they're just keeping it under wraps. This current generation of battery is so environmentally hazardous. It makes oil and gas drilling looking like digging a hole. It's terrible. And it produces more of what they're trying to get away from carbons. Now, we're not going to beat too much on that because that's an overstatement. So, and by the way, that was a report came out by zerohedge.com on all the requirements to offset the CO2 footprint. So everybody that's done the, the stuff is gone. This is a problem. And it's my number one issue of why at this point in time, I do not support electric cars as being mass produced and forced in the marketplace. Look, if a guy wants to take a chance and he wants to roll the dice and produce them, and there's enough people say, I just want to buy it because I want to buy it. Not because the government tells me to, not because I've read it in, you know, road and track. I like the look of the car. I like the way it performs. I like the fact it's silent. You like all those things. You don't have a problem with payment. Some other things we're going to cover. Then by God, go buy the car and enjoy the car. God bless you. But that's not the case in most of these circumstances. But this right here, this environmental impact, it's, it's huge. It's, it's a massive rape to the environment. And look, the environment, if you care about the environment in America, you should care about the environment in India and in China because this is a global planet and what one country does can impact the other. But it makes us more reliant on China. And I will tell you, the way things are going, if we don't get an off-ramp on this current energy situation, we may not have China available. What does that do to the e-car e market? And this is a legitimate question that nobody wants to address because they just want you to be, they don't want you on transmission. They want you on receive mode. They want you to just simply receive and just gurgitate, rah, 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 eat down and okay, I'm just, I'm going to eat all the crap you eat me. I'm going to be a mushroom, uh, you know, keep me in the dark, feed me crap. Uh, and I'm going to be a little, little happy robot. That's what they want right now. But you got to ask questions. And by the way, you should be asking questions since these are, these are state and federal issues of all of your elected officials on those. I don't care if they serve in the House of Representatives. I don't care if they serve in the Senate. I don't care if they're on presidential appointed committees. You have a right to ask this. Your tax dollars go towards electing these people who make policy. And the problem we have right now is people that are elected are not making policy according to people. They say, well, I've got an office. Well, I'm, I'm smarter than that person that elected me. And I'm going to make decisions for the little people because the little people just, well, you know, you know what I'm talking Just snotty attitudes better than all that crap. Uh, and I'm not going to go down the road I'd like to go, but the reality is they're not doing their job. But these are legitimate questions that you have to ask. And here's the other question. I haven't seen to date where an electric vehicle is going to be out here 12, 15 years. Have you? 
you're making a big investment in a car. Is that car going to, you know, look, granted, most cars that are 15 years old, with few exceptions, are, are not something you're gonna, you want to bring the, the prom date home in, but they're still running. How do we know that's going to be running? These are legitimate, legitimate questions here nobody wants to talk about. Now, that's my number one issue right there is the, the rape to the environment and the technological path that ties it to it and our reliance on China. That's my number one reason. If we could find a better way to make a better battery that the United States is in control of, that's environmentally friendly, that we have control of it, am I behind electric vehicles? Does that shift my position? Absolutely, it makes a huge difference. Not gonna, not gonna hide behind that. And if that can be done, then I'm gonna get out and I'll pull lead, I'll pull lead bear on that. But the current technology, the current path, which is what they're allocating tax dollars on. That's the thing you gotta understand. This is your money. The legislative process is impacting your pocketbook. Your money is based on a technology that's got a problem. And nobody wants to talk about it. But let's talk about some other things that you need to know. Okay. First off, you're getting a car that is getting a government rebate. If you go buy a Tesla, you go buy a Bolt, you go buy anything that's government, it gets a $7,500 tax rebate. That means every other form of transportation out there from an internal combustion engine standpoint has a $7,500 price disadvantage. Now, I get back to the theory. Should the government be playing the game or being the referee? When you're taking tax dollars and putting it out there as an incentive, you're playing the game. And they're trying to take it, and I'm, it may be, it may win the infrastructure bill. I got to go back and read it to take that request to 12500 which is pure insanity. The demographics on Tesla buyers have an average income over 140000 That's not your average, you know, the average guy out there. Not people around the United States don't have an average income of 140000 They just don't. So why are they going to spend that kind of money? Here's another problem. When you go to the pump and you fill in the pump, there's a percentage, there's roughly 40 cents federal and state tax that go back to state governments and federal governments to fund road and bridge repair, road and bridge maintenance. That's what it's there. It's the tax that you pay on it. Now, right now, electric cars don't pay that. Oh, wait. Okay, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. So we're giving them a check back to buy it. Oh, and they're not contributing to the maintenance or construction of new roads. How insane is that? But that's a problem. Now, some states are recognizing this and going, hey, that's a deficiency on, you're, you're, use, you're still using our roads. We want, a little, we want a little chili, but that's up to states. The federal government under the current administration will not do that. Why would they do that when they're already giving your tax dollars away in the first place? That's a problem. So if you truly want to make a difference, the electric car is not making the difference in contributing to the road, road bridge and tax fund. It's just not. And that's a problem because they're not going to the, uh, to the gate. Now let's get into market data. 
what we're actually seeing in the marketplace of people that you can benchmark in case you say, hey, look, I'm getting serious about this. I think I want to go buy an EV. You know, I can't afford gas at 5 to $7, as most of us can't. Well, here's the problem. About 20% of the EVs being purchased in the last five years, they're being traded back in. Now, charging infrastructure is a part of it. Certainly, this is all documented. However, battery time in the field has been the number one issue. Charge times. In other words, charge times have not been as advertised. You think car manufacturer that's putting out an EV might possibly, maybe, possibly embellish? <laughs> that's never happened, Darren. Why they wouldn't? They wouldn't do that to sell a car, would they? If you read the fine print, usually you're going to find a disclaimer that that's at optimal operating conditions. And most of the time, you're not operating in optimal conditions. So if they tell you it's three, you know, 300 miles, maybe it's two. 210, 250. That's a difference. That's been one of the biggest issues is that the batteries have not performed as advertised. All right. So when you go to charge it, you got to charge it overnight. That's 12 hours. So let's take some, let's take it and try to make it practical. They're talking about putting up 500,000 plus charging stations throughout the United States. Now I'm curious to know where they're actually going to put those because, well, the problem that we're going to have is if you pull off that road and you got to charge that car, are you going to stay there 12 hours? Probably not. You don't want to stay there. So how much of a charge are you going to get if you stay there 30 minutes or an hour? What kind of exposure do you have of somebody come up that you don't want? Maybe you're robbing or doing harm to you. Yeah, nobody's thought about that. I, I did insurance for a living. I kind of do risk management. That's one of my thoughts. So nobody talks about that. Also, what if they change these, let's say, uh, you need to, they come out and say, well, instead of 12 hours, if you go to our stations, you'll be done in two hours. Does that mean they're overcharging the amperage to get that charge? Have you ever had a, a, a lawnmower or some battery go dead? You got to go put the charger on it and you got to be careful. If you don't put it on that trickle charge, you burn that battery up. Ever had that happen? What happens if that charging station burns up your battery? or reduces the battery life because it, it, it wasn't charging it right. Do you know what the average cost to replace an electric vehicle battery is right now in the United States? Actually, this is dated material. This was as of seven months ago. It's over $5,500. Hello. <laughs> so what happens if you go and you stop at one of these stations and they put it on the wrong kind of charge or you put it on the wrong kind of charge or calibrate it and you burn that battery up? I can assure you the federal government's not going to come and want to cut you another $5,500 check. They're going to say, no, we gave you enough incentives and blah, blah, blah. And we spent the infrastructure. That one's on your own kingfish. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Here's the other thing. If you've never bought an electric car, you should check out what your insurance is going to cost you. You see, it's those parts, not the physical fender and stuff like that. That's very similar to any, that's the same as any other car. Although those, those have went up right now due to COVID. We've shut down the world. We're still not back to operating capacity. I don't know why, but for some reason we're not. But if you damage that battery or you total that battery, 
the cost to rebuild it as opposed to get it manufactured new are much higher. The insurance rates for electric cars are much higher. You need to know that. Last thing we want to look at, what's the economic impact on the economy? Well, currently, we have a lot of people, over 750,000 technicians that works on cars and trucks with the internal combustion engine systems. What happens to them as you're trying to roll out electric vehicles? Where do those people go? And we're not, and by the way, we're just talking about folks that work on them. We're not talking about all the auxiliary things that go into additional parts that go to those engines that they need. We're just talking about the people that actually work on them. You're going to displace hundreds of thousands of mechanics. Can they be transitioned to an e-car? I, I don't know. But it's a question that nobody is talking about. And that's another issue I have is you're talking about displacing a whole sector of people that I can't get a straight answer on what's going to happen to them. Can you give me a straight answer on what's going to happen to them? They can be converted, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to get behind it. The last thing, look, folks, the push right now is for basically two reasons. Okay. It's power and money. It's power and money, money, because they were the new sect that wants to come in. They didn't have any say on the development of the oil and gas industry and the oil and gas industry. They want to sell energy for profit because that's how they make their money. Well, the new green team wants to sell you energy, but they want control of it. And the reason they want control of it is to restrict, in my opinion, how you live. Now, the reason I say this, we, we currently don't have stock market uh, corrections right now or legislation where all these damn representatives and congressmen can be, we, we can't stop the insider trading. I don't know why it should be illegal. It should have never allowed, but they're going to continue to do insider trading until we stop it. We've seen, they're not going to stop anything hurts them. They just gave themselves a 21% pay increase for Christ's sakes. So they're damn sure not going to take away their sweet tooth of how they get rich overnight on insider trading. They're going to try to buy the inside stocks on what's going to be the electrical distribution on what's going to be those technologies and all those batteries so they can get rich, but that they also can have control over you. If they don't like your political affiliation, maybe you don't get the same amount of power. Or maybe your KWH costs more. Now, is that conspiracy theory? Maybe. What's the difference between conspiracy theory and a real story? Six months to two years. My point is, I don't like it. Because we're putting people that don't have your... In other words, they're not out there to just make profit. I... I I don't have a problem with the profit motive, even when I don't like the profit motive, the way it happens to hit me. I respect it. This is a different political agenda these people are trying to push. Well, folks, we are out of time today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I hope this has been very informative because I've been peppered by, by masses of you. Have, you know, there's a big push. Do we take this? In my opinion, you need to take this information I put forth here, and you need to carefully research it, and you need to balance it out. Um, go to the blog site, informationedge.net. It's here today, Electric Live. You'll obviously have this broadcast that it will be on the website. It'll also be on the Voice America site that you can go back, go listen to it, and go through again because you have to make those decisions. Me personally, I'm not ready to get behind it. And I've stated why in very clear and concise form. So I hope this has been educational. I hope it's been informative. Uh, I hope to entertain you somewhat to each week because that's kind of what this is. 
putting a madman behind the mic because I do this for one purpose and one purpose only to help you be a better consumer and be a better voter. I'm Darren Yancey. This has been the Information Edge Podcast, and I'll be back next week with another message. Until then, may God bless you. May God bless the United States of America, and let's have a little bit of peace. Thank you for tuning in to the Information Edge. Please join your host, Darren Yancey, again next Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Central, and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more to share then.